diving into the complexities of dairy economics and a very powerful and personal why for helping dairy farmers understand milk markets and manage risk. That's what we're covering today on this episode of the Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders Podcast. This is the special podcast series for producers and professionals in the first five years of their dairy careers that you can find right here on the Uplevel Dairy Podcast, as well as its own platform, Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders. I'm Peggy Coffin, and it's my mission to connect you with others who are like you, driven to make a difference and determined to do it in the dairy industry. Whether you are on the farm or in the field, this is the place to plug in to hear how your peers are overcoming challenges and stepping up to lead the way as dairy's future decision makers, movers, shakers, and innovators. If you know someone in the first five years of their dairy career, send them a link to the show that's created just for them. And our featured young leader today is as dedicated to dairy as they come, Alex Gambonini. Raised on an organic California dairy farm, Alex not only grew up showing cattle and competing in Dairy Quiz Bowl, but she also loved digging into numbers and economics. Today, her passions are combined as she is the Senior Manager of Advisory Services for High Ground Dairy. Alex tells us about her path, how she utilizes in-person and online networking, and resources that are helping her navigate the first five years of her dairy career. Enjoy this conversation with our up-level dairy featured young leader, Alex Gambonini. Alex, go ahead and just tell me a little bit about you. I grew up on my family's dairy farm in Petaluma, California. Growing up, I was very involved in 4-H and FFA, and I loved selling cows and dairy judging and all the fun dairy things. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I grew up and as a career. But I knew I wanted to be involved in dairy and agriculture. So I decided to get my bachelor's degree in dairy science and ag business at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Um, And then after four years, I still had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, But I really love numbers and I love dairy and cows and all that side of things. So one of my professors in the ag business program at Cal Poly really encouraged me to get my master's degree in applied economics at the University of Minnesota with a focus on agricultural economics. And while I was there, I did some research under my advisor, Dr. Jolene Hadrick, where I specifically worked on dairy, man- dairy farm management economics. So it was really interesting to be like specifically in dairy. And I, I, being in that program really opened up a lot of things and different avenues for careers after that. So quickly after graduation, I got a job with the California Federal Milk Marketing Order, where I worked there for three years as an agricultural economist. And then recently, this past September, I joined the High Ground Dairy team as the Senior Manager of Advisory Services. When you step back and you think about what you're doing in the dairy industry and what you want to be doing for the rest of your career, there's a lot of different what's and how's. But for most people, what I found is that there tends to be a why that doesn't change, a why that drives them for the what and the how. What's your why? for what you're doing and where do you see it taking you? I think my biggest why is because I grew up on a dairy, I wanna work with dairy farmers and I wanna work in the dairy industry. And where I live in Sonoma County in California, I think they say, you know, 1990s, there were 200 plus dairy farms in our area. And today there's only like 50 left. It's really sad to see, you know, one of my favorite industry and the thing that I grew up with slowly being diminished because, you know, the, the farms can't make it with the way the pricing works, especially like in the organic dairy industry where we are at with the, the cost of feed and everything. And there's so many factors that impact profitability on a farm. 
especially seeing, you know, my dad selling now and having to sell the cows, it, it was just time. It was the right time to sell cows for him. And luckily it was before COVID, which was very smart. But I think the biggest thing to me is I, you know, I want to see dairy continue and I love the people in the dairy industry. When I was younger, I did Dairy Bowl for the National Holstein Conventions. And I remember we used to memorize the number of farms in the United States. And I, I love Dairy Bowl. But it used to be like when I was memorizing it for Dairy Bowl in like, you know, 2011 to 15 era, I was like 55,000 farms. And then, you know, I was looking through the Dairy Bowl collections of the young kids, uh, you know, this year. And it said that the number of farms was 27,900. Like mm. that is a significant decrease. And it makes me sad that there's so much fewer kids growing up on farms or on dairy farms specifically. And so, you know, it just keeps consolidating. And I, I want to be a part of what keeps them sustainable and what keeps them going. What was that like for you when your family farm did have to make that decision? It was really sad. I remember when the cows loaded in the trailer and it was, it was really depressing because a lot of our cows, like on our farm, we're a smaller farm. And a lot of the cows that we had were still cows that, you know, I got to grow up hanging out with and doing everything with. But I think the, the biggest thing about being one of the, the people sell out is that the community comes around you and all the farmers are facing it and everybody feels, you know, in the dairy industry that there is probably some sort of expiration date. I feel like a lot of people, especially right now, feel it. And I think that they understand it and nobody wants to be in that boat of selling out because it's all they've ever done. And that's, yeah. you know, it's, it's pretty terrible to think about what's after. But for us, my dad knew he had three daughters. He knew that none of us really wanted to take it over. I think I could have done something with it, but I didn't want to be, you know, full-time milking cows. I really wanted to be in a role like I am today. So I think that it, it just naturally met its end. But it is really hard thinking back on, you know, how all that works. And like for somebody like my dad, he was fourth generation on that dairy and we were the fifth generation and we grew up on it. And having something like that end is, is pretty disappointing. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard. Is that part of what drives you? I think it is. I think a lot of it, too, is, um, you know, I, I, ne I never really had the plan of going back to the dairy, but you never really think about it ending, right? Like, you, I wasn't planning on going back, but I never really had the thought, like, it would ever stop running. When we did end up selling the cows, it was really sad and it was really hard. But I was like, I don't want that feeling that I had to, you know, for others to feel that as well. Yeah. And what you wanted for others was for them to experience what you said before. And that was kids being able to grow up the way that you did. And the work that you're mm -hmm. doing now, you get to, in your way, contribute to that. Exactly. This is what you just shared. It's what so many of us have been through. I just went through it a few years ago with my parents. They milk cows till they were 72. <laughs> and it was still a hard day. So I, I get it. And. And I think there's so many of us in the industry that we do what we do because we want what we had for someone else. And there's going to be a lot of other young people in their careers, just like you, that have a very similar story. That's why you're who you are. That's why you're so passionate. That's why, of all things, you've chosen the one thing most of us run away from. <laughs> 
dairy milk pricing dairy policy. And that's what makes you powerful and talented and resilient and influential in, in your own way, a way that you get to own now. And now let's transition into what you do all day, every day today. And that is your work with High Ground Dairies. Tell me a little bit about what your day-to-day is like now. So High Ground Dairy, for those of you that don't know, is a full-service futures and options brokerage firm. So we do the futures and options brokerage. We do producer insurance services like dairy revenue protection and LRP, um, any of those types of things. And one of the things we are most well known for is our market intelligence division, where we do market commentary on international, domestic market, all things dairy included in that. And then as well, we have advisory and consulting services to firms from, you know, the producer side all the way down the supply chain. Currently what I do, and I am, I am only three and a half months in, so it is relatively new. But a lot of what I've been doing is focusing on the producer services side, doing especially a lot of analysis on those producer insurance programs, kind of learning, especially with DRP, like when to buy DRP, what are the best strategies, how can you, you know, benefit the most from using DRP coverage on your operation. Um, And secondly, because of my experience in federal milk marketing order, I've been doing some consulting um, down the supply chain on what are the federal milk marketing orders, what what is going on in the federal milk marketing orders, and kind of knowing the milk pricing behind those minimum prices and cost prices in the federal milk marketing orders. And then especially right now with the federal milk marketing order hearing that's going on, kind of being the person that stays up to date and watches what's going on with the hearings. And you've been sitting through several of those hearings, correct? Some of it, yes. As much as a person can. What do the rest of us need to know about what's been going on at those hearings? I think the biggest thing is that the hearing was the, so when I started with high ground, the hearing was still going on. When I left order, the hearing was still going on. And now the hearing today is still going on. Mm -hmm. So we're talking, you know, late 2024, early 2025 before a producer vote even comes close to any of these changes. And it is interesting to think of it from the market perspective, like how the futures and options markets will react to these changes, because a lot of them have to do with the settlement prices of the futures, so meaning like the class price formulas could change and that could cause, you know, some of the futures to change. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's somewhat further down the road than some might think. And I think another big thing, too, is to remember with the federal milk marketing order hearings, the ones that vote on it are the producers. It's not Mm. processors. It's the producers and the cooperatives that are, you know, the ones saying yes or no to the federal order changes. And if the federal order gets voted yes, it gets implemented. If it gets voted no, the whole thing goes away. I think that because the producers vote on it, the USDA will come to a balanced decision. And it's not going to be something that's extremely negative on either side. So I'm going to be very honest with you, Alex. I took a milk marketing class when I was in college at UW, taught by Bob Crop, right? The grandfather of milk marketing. It was a very overwhelming class. It was a lot to it, right? Understanding milk marketing and the federal order system. What parts of working in the federal milk marketing order system got you excited for your contributions that you could make to dairy? For me, the biggest thing is like when most people heard about that stuff, they, you know, they're like, oh, this is confusing. This is complex. 
I don't want to be here. I don't, I don't get it. To me, anytime I have the confusion or I think something's complex, instead of running away, I'm like, I have to know. Like, everybody keeps saying it's confusing, but somebody's got to know, right? There's got to be somebody out there that has to explain these things because at the end of the day, farmers are getting paid based on this pricing system. And if you are a producer and you don't understand it, how can you, like, how can you improve your revenue? How can you manage your, your price volatility? Some of it stems too from a class I took at Cal Poly. I took an advanced herd management class. And we had a guest speaker come. And he had these post-it notes up on the wall. And he said, I want you to write different things down. He's supposed to know how to do these two, you know, the sticky notes. And he said, I want, you know, each of these are going to be a different thing that I want you to write down. And one of the post-it notes, he said, I want you to write down something in the dairy industry that you want to learn about, that you find confusing or that you don't understand that you want to learn about. So, of course, I write milk pricing on the board. And everybody sees I write it. Everybody writes it underneath. And I will never forget, the guest speaker says, I see you guys wrote milk pricing down. You know, you'll never understand it. So don't even try. And he was a dairy farmer. And I was like, I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like, can it really be this complex? So when I did my master's thesis and there was the milk pricing side of it, I noticed that those farmers that were like lower input, lower output had a slightly higher milk price. And I was like, you know, what really makes the difference between producers that get this price X versus price Y? So that really drove me to want to learn more about the revenue side of the equation, learn more about the milk pricing side. This last uh November, I actually got to go back to Cal Poly and give a guest lecture on, you know, milk markets and the fundamentals and milk pricing and how all that works. And I had a blast. It was super fun. Um, it was also awesome. It was nine girls in the class, all females, which is super cool for a milk marketing class. So it was, I, I love talking to people about milk pricing because nobody understands it. And if I can make somebody's knowledge of milk pricing go from this to this, I call that a win. That's so interesting. And I give you so much credit, Alex, for taking it that challenge upon yourself to dig in, to dive in and to learn. And and now you're in a position where you get to take that knowledge of what you've spent your time studying, researching, being in these listening sessions, and you're putting that into the way that you're able to serve dairy producers through high ground now. And so when you look at, when you step back and look at these first few years of your career in the dairy industry, what's been one of the biggest challenges that you have faced as a young professional in the dairy industry? I think for me, the biggest challenge was when you're trying to find a job as a young professional, I think that there's this mentality that you think you can just apply anywhere and people get jobs just by applying it. And you just throw your resume here, throw your cover letter here, and you'll get something. And I think the biggest thing for me was learning that it wasn't necessarily just applying and having the experience. The network is kind of everything that makes or breaks you. And I'm not saying you have to have a huge, expansive network, but for all of the jobs I've ever had, all of the internships I've ever gotten, have all been through my network. None of them have been, you know, a blind resume or application sent in to somewhere, they have all been through somebody who referred me. So, okay. So networking has been a critical part and it sounds like you've learned that it was even more important as you really got your footing underneath you after grad school. And especially as you mentioned before, during COVID, when it was just such a crazy time and you were in California of all places (laughs) during that time as well. How do you actively 
continue to build your network? What's worked for you and what continues to work? When I was an undergrad and we had the career fairs and everything, I hated networking. I was like, I don't want to talk to random people. This is really stressing me out. Like, I don't know how to start a conversation, do the small talk. I was really stressed out about it. But it wasn't until later I realized, you know, it's not necessarily going and talking to some random people that is networking. It's really talking to people that you know through other people. Mm. Um, to me, it was going to, you know, DHIA meetings with my dad growing up or going to World Dairy Expo to show cows and meeting different producers from all across the nation. And I think the biggest thing, too, is when, you know, you go to an event and somebody introduces you to someone, like, remembering who they are, you never know when you get a business card here or there, you never know when you might need to reach out to them again. And another thing is LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn a lot to connect with different people. And especially one of the things being in my position, not a lot of people that I talked to, you know, in undergrad knew a lot about the economic side of the dairy industry or, you know, the, the milk pricing side. And I think through LinkedIn and being able to see the types of positions that are out there um, or reaching out to different people, I think that's one of the biggest things. And I love when people reach out to me. I've had a few University of Minnesota students that were a few years under me reach out to me and asking for jobs. And I was actually just able to connect one with some people in our USDA dairy program's headquarters for a possible economist job and things like that. So I love the idea of, you know, connecting different people and learning about different people's backgrounds because you never know when those people might come in handy. You are at an interesting spot generationally especially when it comes to networking. Because for you to network with someone like me, who is a little bit more, I'll use the word seasoned, a little bit older, it's face-to-face. Face-to-face networking is what I grew up doing. And I think what a lot of other folks my age and, and older, what we are accustomed to and our first choice. Generationally, when I think about you and your peers, age-wise, have grown up in this world of virtual connection and and building relationships online with people you may have never met face-to-face. And so break that down a little bit for me of how it's been for you. Do you have to change your style or your approach depending on the person that you're connecting with? The online connecting is really hard even though I'm in this generation, I love more of a face-to-face communication because I feel like it's so awkward, you know, adding someone and not really knowing them, but like knowing we have mutual connections and things like that. And I think the biggest thing to me is, you know, using those different platforms like LinkedIn or whatever, you know, you can see like, hey, here's this person, they work for this company, I have these mutual friends, it's really interesting, I'll add them. To me, it's the connection that you then make after that face-to-face when you go Mm. somewhere. So to me, it's more so if I see them online and I see them in person, you know, I want to go out and introduce myself. I want to say like, you know, it's one thing to be online. Like it's awkward to be online. It's not a real connection. Like, you know, of each other, but if you can, you know, put that connection through online back to face to face, I think that's what really matters. And I think people put two and two together when you do that as well. So, so you've just learned to take that initiative and, and it sounds like you're pretty clear on these are the things you want to learn more about. These are the people, the realms that you want to connect more in. And so I'm curious for you, because you talked about going to industry events. So what top, top three that you wouldn't miss? That's really hard for me because I feel like with the COVID, the whole COVID thing that went down, a lot of stuff did not exist that I really wish I could have gotten to do. So 
I feel like a lot of the things that finally started to come back came back in 2022 or 2023. Um, so my list may be a little bit short, but one of the biggest ones for me, and not coming from the Central Valley, California, I have been going to World Ag Expo in Solari, especially because there's so many producers in that region and so many people that I went to school with, which is the really cool part. You know, a lot of my friends at Cal Poly, you know, they were all dairy producers now. They took over the family farm. Another one that I just recently went to in October was the CME ABTI conference, which was talking a lot about futures, the CME market, um, and the dairy markets and how that was going. To me, that was a big one starting out in this specific area of milk pricing because I don't, I didn't know a ton about the futures and all the different options that you can do and, um, you know, the budgeting and options and, you know, OTC, and there's so many different things you can do with the dairy market. So it was really interesting doing that. And from a producer perspective, you know, growing up on the farm and understanding that side, it's really interesting to see like the intricacies further down the supply chain, like the things you don't think about, the end users that are buying millions of pounds of cheese a day. There's, there's a lot more going on beyond the farm. And this might be more like, because of I like to show cows. I love going to World Dairy Expo. That's one of my favorite places um, because it's a lot of the people I grew up hanging out with and going to different hosting conventions with and getting to see and catch up with people um, more so on a national basis, which is really neat to see people from the farms all over the U.S. So you've been in the career world for a couple of years. So what do you wish you could go back and tell 23, 24 year old Alex, what's your advice to your younger self? I think one of the biggest things is don't be afraid, just in general. Don't be afraid of talking to people. Don't be afraid of opening up a conversation about a new opportunity. Like when I took this role with High Ground, it was just, you know, an informal call with my current boss, making a connection on LinkedIn. And I think that's the biggest thing is don't be afraid to put yourself out there and don't be afraid to you know, work harder and do try new things, especially, you know, in any of your jobs, don't be afraid to take on new challenges, especially if you're uncomfortable with it. It's okay to be uncomfortable. That's how you learn. Any good resources that you would recommend to other young professionals in the dairy industry? And by resources, books, podcasts, what would you recommend to other young professionals that want to be constantly in growth mode indulging in dairy in a million ways like you what would you recommend to them what are your faves the first one would be the up level dairy podcast of course you're not just saying that right i was listening to it before you emailed me i promise i think there's a lot of podcasts out there but it's interesting to me if you want to be in the dairy industry from the producer side to, to listen to podcasts like this to give you that especially with the you know dairy leader side of things. Like I really enjoyed listening to some of the other people you had on and hearing their experiences and how they went about everything that's going on. Another one that I just, I love to read is Horse Dairyman, just like the online article. And they're, they're always pretty short. They're never super lengthy, but it kind of gives you a lot about what's going on in the industry. All right, Alex, we've like covered all the things. So anything else that you want to add? For any young dairy leaders listening to this, always take that opportunity to make and, you know, always reach out to anybody. I feel like people in this industry are always willing to help you. Don't be afraid to reach out to people like myself or somebody else in the field that you know. 
because they, they always want to connect you and always want to, you know, it helps their, you know, network when you exceed in the things that you do as well. And how valuable is that for you to share with someone who works in dairy but didn't grow up in it like you did? And you're connecting with people that have some, in some cases, have known you since you were knee high following your dad to DHIA meetings. But for mm-hmm. someone that didn't grow up inundated in dairy, that welcome is still extended to them from the industry, isn't it? Of course. And I think especially today where we are at with the industry, there's more and more people that are not connected originally in dairy that fall in love with it. So, so many of my fellow classmates at Cal Poly, one of my roommates, for example, she now works on a dairy and she is killing it with everything she does. And she didn't grow up on a dairy. She just fell in love with it when she went to Cal Poly working on the dairy. And I think people like that are really important to our industry as well. Because, you know, people that grew up on a dairy, a lot of times, like, you know, we knew one way, we knew one thing. It's really cool to see outside perspectives and how they come into the dairy industry and what, you know, approaches and things that they can add. So, you know, any of those people that didn't grow up on a dairy, I don't think that's important. I mean, like growing up on a dairy, I mean, I love my experience on the farm, but you can be anyone and be involved in the dairy industry. Well, Alex, thank you so much for jumping on with us for the Up-Level Dairy Young Leaders podcast. And thank you for everything that you are doing in your career, personally, professionally, and the continued impact that you will have in this industry as a young leader. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders Podcast. Find this episode on Uplevel Dairy Podcast as well as the Uplevel Dairy Young Leaders Podcast channel. And do your friends in their early dairy careers a favor by sharing with them the podcast that is just for them. And if you want a space to network and plug in with other producers and professionals in the first five years of their dairy careers who are driven to make a difference and determined to do it through dairy, head over to join our Facebook group and find that link in our show notes.